you have your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 27. You know, it's, I always feel a little bit uh, funny about Easter. Uh, and not in a negative sense, but the world has made it so much about other things. Um, it's about the resurrection of Jesus, but he's been resurrected and alive for a long time. And we celebrate that every time we get together. We live in that. And so it's not like, okay, just today Jesus rose from the dead. But it's often good as a reminder what actually he's done for us. Sometimes we can just take for granted that we live in his presence and not realize the cost. And sometimes we almost treat Jesus as if, you know, he's there and every once in a while, I just want to go touch bases. You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll read his word or, or get with him or something, rather than living in the reality of his presence. So I just want to remind us this morning, we just want to celebrate Jesus. I want to start in Matthew chapter 27. I want to take a look at... Not starting with the resurrection, but starting with the crucifixion. Because I'm convinced there is no uh, resurrection without the crucifixion. But the crucifixion has no real meaning without the resurrection. And so it's actually one story. And sometimes we tend to break it up. I was raised in a, as I've told you many of you before, in an uh, evangelical church. And we used to have good Friday services, but it was all... Negative. It was all black. Things were decorated neg black, and it was all about all this uh, stuff and, and Jesus dying. And, and that's important to understand, but that's not the focus. We don't live there anymore. We live in the resurrection. But we need to start there. So uh, Matthew 27, verse 32. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. When they come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. They gave that to him to kind of dull the senses a little bit for crucifixion. And then verse 35, and they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that they might be fulfilled what was spoken of the prophets. It's amazing how quickly the passage goes right through that. We can read that, and it's almost like the focus is on that they cast his lot, they cast lots for his clothes. They crucified him. And sometimes we read that and not realize. So I want to take just take a couple minutes and go through the price that Jesus paid for us. See, when you get to that point, he'd already been whipped. Scourge is the, the word. 39 times. You know, when I was young, I used to ask, why 39 times? Because in the, uh, under the law, they figured that 40 would kill someone. So it was a, a whip with little pieces of, with knots in it or little pieces of bone that would literally tear the, uh, the flesh apart. And he'd had thorns pushed into his head. So 
he had not had a good day before we get to this point. And then crucified, we have a lot of different pictures of that. But the reality is that he was hung by spikes from his hands. Uh, many sociologists say probably his wrists rather than the, uh, the hand because it probably would have pulled out. He was uh, nails through his, uh, spikes through his feet. Again, many uh, people from, from, uh, who've studied that say that very likely his legs were turned sideways and the spikes were driven through his heels. And that caused him to be in a position where the diaphragm is crushed and it, you can't breathe. And so they would actually have to push up on these spikes in order to get a breath. That sounds absolutely terrible and gruesome to me. But when I realized that that, that wasn't the greatest price, it gets worse. Kind of like I feel like one of those uh, salesmen on TV. And there's more. But there's more. In uh, verse 41 and 42, says the uh, chief priest mocking and the scribes and elders, he saved himself. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he's the king of the Jews, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. There was something of that shame. In fact, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. We often talk about paying the debt we owe, but it actually says he became sin. He who for eternity was pure became the accumulated filth of the world. To me, that's even worse than the physical suffering. It's hard to imagine the totality of sin that was placed upon him. Verse uh, 45, now from the sixth hour until the ninth, there was darkness over the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is basically, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus became sin, couldn't continue in the presence of God. For eternity, had had perfect fellowship and communion and unity with the Father. For the first time in eternity, he's all alone. And it's that that he cries out. Not the physical pain, not becoming sin and the shame and guilt, but the actual separation from God. He was separated so we could be restored. He was alone so that we could come back into relationship. Over in verse 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. There was something of God making a way, the veil 
was between the, the holy place and the most holy, which is where God's presence resided in the temple. The veil was torn, you know this, from the top to the bottom. God, the, the sacrifice was sufficient. The, the way was made that we can come into his presence. That's where we live. And then the story gets better. Chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. He rolled the stone back and he sat on it. <laughs> like, I done my job. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. I mean, think about that for a second. Again, we can read it. We had a uh, lightning strike just a couple houses up from ours the other day, uh, and it scared the pants off me. It hit, and the, our whole house shook. Mary came running from the other room, and we were out without power for a, a number of hours. But it's just sometimes we think of lightning you know, in the distance, how beautiful it is. I saw on the news someplace where they had a storm and there was lightning in the clouds. And, oh, that's great. Until it hits right next to you. As Lance would know. He almost got hit by lightning a couple months ago. Uh, and the guards shook for fear of him. Yeah, I would too. And became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I just love that. You seek Jesus. As Johann started us this morning, Jesus came to seek us and to save us. And he's still seeking us, which is absolutely incredible. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Think about it for a second. What motivated Jesus to go through all that? very clear it was his love for us John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him Romans 5 I just love this, uh, this scripture from verse 6 for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. But perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in rebellion, while we were still away from him, he pursued us. At our uh, discipleship group the other night, uh, T was telling us a little bit of his testimony and how before he got saved, he had a number of dreams where God pursued him. He wasn't saved. Wasn't interested. But God was pursuing him. 
He had a dream of the man in white. Had a, met a guy in South Africa a number of years ago, and for a number of years his ministry in India was he would just ask people, have you had a dream or a vision of the man in white? And there were just hundreds of people that he came into who had some dream or vision. And he said, would you like to know who he is? He'd tell them about Jesus. Uh, if they hadn't, he just said, fine. Went in to find someone who had. Uh, we had a friend in uh, NCMI team who went into, uh, I think it was Liberia. I, f- I forget right now. It might have been Niger, but I think it was Liberia. And went into a village and found out that everyone in the village had had a dream. One night, the same night, guy woke up in the morning and told his wife he had this dream of a man in white. And she said, I had the same dream. Found that everyone. These guys come in and they tell everyone about Jesus and they're already, they all accepted the Lord. God pursuing. While we were still sinners. Let's not forget his love. Sometimes we think, oh, we have to change our behavior before he loves us. No, he loves us and he pursues us. We have to become more righteous. No, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we could become righteous. Not that we have to become righteous before. You still with me? And so back to uh, 2 Corinthians. I've been quoting it twice already. So let me actually turn there and read it to you because, again, I love it. From verse 18. I love the whole thing, but just for time. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. He's reconciled us. He has restored us to relationship with him through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We get to tell others. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Our sin, my sin, my rebellion. I got saved when I was young, but I realized already that I wasn't a good guy. I had a terrible temper. I'd beat up my brothers. I had my... Brothers are twins. They're uh, 14 months younger than me. I have a sister who's 14 months older. And then I came along, and then I have brothers who are twins who are 14 months younger. So my mom had four kids in under 30 months. And she didn't die. (laughs) But we were quite close and often quite competitive. And I remember once throwing both of my brothers into a big rose bush as we were fighting. 
He who knew no sin became sin for me. Isn't that amazing? Through faith in him, we can be forgiven and restored to relationship. We can come into his presence. He tore the curtain in two so that we could come to his presence. So what are we doing? We're just celebrating what Jesus has done. We're celebrating his love for us. We're forgiven and made righteous. We can come to his presence and live in intimacy with him. It's good for us to be reminded sometimes of the price he paid. It's good for us to realize the good news. The church I was at when I was in Indonesia a few weeks ago is called Good News Church. We have good news. We can be restored. So we're going to we're going to sing uh, the song that we finished with again. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. I just want us to take a moment and allow the reality. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. But he made a way. He pursued us. And so let's not take for granted the wonder that we have that we can come into his presence. Let's not take for granted that the delight that we have of living with him and the good news that we have. Can I ask you if you'd stand? Let's uh, just allow God to speak into our hearts just before we do. Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not withhold his only son but gave him up for us, freely gave him up for us, will he not also freely give us all things? He who did not withhold his only son but freely gave him up for us, will he not also with him freely give us all things? As we sing this, as you come into his presence, if you need a touch from God today, He wants to freely give it. If you need healing, just allow Him to touch you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you came to the right place, we'd be happy to tell you about Him. But our focus is not so much on those who don't know Him as us who do and being thankful. Yes, the, the good news is you can come to Jesus as we have. I would bet almost every one of us have a story of God pursuing us when we didn't deserve it. Loved us. He chose us before we chose him. Okay? Let's just uh, sing this and allow God to, to just minister to us this morning as we just celebrate what Jesus has done.